and welcome back to The Corporate Casket. My name is Blair, and today we're going to continue down the rabbit hole that is part two of the Dr. Phil series. If you haven't listened to the first one yet, I highly recommend you check that one out, or you might be a bit lost without it because I do reference quite a few previous events today. To summarize quickly, Dr. Phil was disciplined for misconduct with a 19-year-old woman, a patient of his in 1989, when he was in his late 30s. He promoted supplements connected to Amway, a multi-level marketing company, and he has put on guests with supposedly fake stories for views. So let's dive right back in and get into the dirt because there is a lot more we still need to talk about. Now, a lot of what we said so far, especially in part one has been alleged so far, not just the editing, but the claims from his ex-wife, that biography and many accusations haven't been corroborated or backed up by quite enough evidence to deter Dr. Phil's fans. Even though those in 1989 and the issues with the supplements were confirmed, I guess his fans are either unaware or have forgiven him for those. However, you guys know that if a video topic only consists of allegations, it's not typically one I make, but what Dr. Phil did in 2008 is arguably one of the worst mistakes of his career. And one of the stupidest moves I've ever witnessed anyone calling themselves a doctor make, except, you know, maybe Dr. Oz, but I'll let you guys argue who's worse. In January, 2008, the New York Times wrote, the Spears family at long last rallied this week to stage an intervention, hiring a specialist to confront the talk show psychologist, Dr. Phil McGraw, after he visited Britney Spears in the hospital and began preparing a special about her meltdown. He also spoke to Entertainment Tonight about Miss Spears's case. What's wrong with Dr. Phil's statement is that he made a statement, is how Lou Taylor, a Spears family spokeswoman, put it on today. Dr. Phil backed down and canceled the special, but he still appears to be in denial about his problem, insisting that his website, drphil.com, that Ms. Spears' condition was too intense for him to proceed with the program. Dr. Phil's case is alarming, a cautionary tale of how a few appearances on Oprah can serve as a gateway drug to full-blown addiction. Dr. Phil, now in its sixth season, includes Dr. Phil House, a real world type group encounter with therapy. It's one bong hit away from the Maury show. And is Dr. Phil alone in this? Absolutely not. This New York Times article mentions the show Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, which was new at the time, and how many television shows have long since preyed upon celebrity weaknesses and exploited it for what they call great television. But the difference here is that Dr. Phil had a psychology license. And frankly, I don't think he should have kept that license to begin with after how he treated that 19 year old, but he still had one. He isn't some random guy in a lab coat talking about celebrity addiction. This is a supposed mental health professional that couldn't keep his giant mouth shut after her intervention. He made exclusive statements to ET about Britney stating, my meeting with Britney and some of her family members this morning in her room at Cedars leaves me convinced more than ever that she is in dire need of both medical and psychological intervention. She was released moments before my arrival and was packing when I entered the room. We visited for about an hour before I walked with her to her car. I am very concerned for her. And what about that thing with doctor-patient confidentiality? Like, I, I don't really care how famous someone is. The few people in their lives that they should be able to trust are doctors and lawyers and whoever else is legally obligated to, again, shut their mouths. Regardless of how you feel about Britney, she's a human being with a right to privacy. 
Even though, as a celebrity, her privacy is probably minimal at best, Dr. Phil is abso-fucking-lutely. He, he should have known better. And make no mistake, he was not given permission to discuss this by her or her family. January 9th, 2008, Mike Selizik from Today published this. Television talk show host Dr. Phil McGraw violated the trust of Britney Spears' parents by making public statements about his hospital visit with the troubled pop star after a standoff with police last week, a family spokesperson said in an exclusive interview Wednesday. There is another example of a trust being betrayed, Lou Taylor, the spokesperson, told Today co-host Meredith Vieira. Rather than helping the family's situation, the celebrity psychologist caused additional damage, she said. I think it's been compromised because it's a measure of trust, she said, of the relationship between Britney Spears and her parents, Jamie and Lynn Spears. Here's Britney, who needs to have some security somewhere, that every single thing she does and every person she has a relationship with doesn't become another opportunity for her to be exploited. When do you ever rest if you're constantly in fear of being exploited? The family basically extended an invitation of trust as a resource to support them, not to make public statements. Any public statements he made because he was brought in under his cloak of trust are just inappropriate, Taylor said. And Dr. Phil has no regrets. McGraw has been defiant, telling Entertainment Tonight, somebody needs to step up and provide a vector to get this young woman into some quality care. I do not apologize one whit, not one second. The Spears family was going through a lot at that time. Divorce, death in the family, losing visitation rights, pregnancy, and Dr. Phil was nothing but self-serving and not only a horrible psychologist, but just kind of a plain horrible person. Not apologizing for wanting to help is one thing. He could provide the family with connections, recommend them to someone, offer private counseling. I have no issue with that. I have an issue with him talking to Entertainment Tonight. The name of it is Entertainment Tonight for fuck's sake. It's not as if he didn't know what he was doing. Dr. Phil got caught up in his celebrity status and forgot how to be a doctor, if you ask me. But hey, don't just take my word for it. This is why his own website says Dr. Phil was not is a licensed psychologist in the state of Texas. He could never diagnose Britney in the first place and his psychology license expired years ago. Because of this Britney situation, a complaint was supposedly filed with the California Board of Psychology alleging that Dr. Phil was illegally practicing without a license when he visited Britney in the hospital. So I guess you can see the situation in one of two ways. Either he's a doctor and violated doctor-patient confidentiality, or he doesn't have a license and isn't a doctor, but he's acting and practicing as if he is. Either way, it's not a good look. He may be careful not to call himself a psychologist on television, but I don't know if most people watching him and reading how he holds a doctorate in psychology know how to take it that way. Personally, that's why it rubs me the wrong way every time says, Dr. Phil, you're our last hope on television as if he's the pinnacle of the mental health community and the only one that can fix them. Like, wow, where have I heard that language before? Hmm, could it be in those messages he sent back in the 80s? Look, if you just see Dr. Phil as a guy that gives some pretty good common sense advice and has a memeable face, then fine, go for it. I don't really disagree with you there. But to see Dr. Phil as legitimate medical advice is worrying. And some of these situations, assuming that they're real, of course, do require actual mental health professionals. Hell, one clip on the Dr. Phil YouTube channel shows a woman speaking to her ex-husband after he murdered their children. It's hard to imagine more difficult things to go through than that. There's child abuse, human trafficking, parents worrying that their son is a child predator, like some very serious and alarming topics. And again, whether or not you believe this is real, even if every single guest Dr. Phil ever had was an actor, it's how he's portrayed that's also equally messed up. 
Dr. Phil is their only hope or their last resort, or these guests, in some cases, children, are pleading to the cameras, Dr. Phil, please help us. All of this when he's not even licensed to do so. Even if these are actors, the audience and the viewers at home are being led to think that Dr. Phil is some miracle worker here. At least that's kind of how it feels. If he had a license, I'd feel a lot better about him giving advice in these life-changing situations, but he doesn't. And to make it all worse, he's using his celebrity to be a spokesperson for medications too. Let's take a moment to pay some bills and thank today's sponsor, HelloFresh. You guys know them. They've been here on the channel for a little bit and I'm glad they're back. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And they have 23 or more recipes each week to make sure you never get bored. In my recent box, I had a beef bulgogi bowl, which I don't know what that is, but I made it and it came out really good. So whatever that is, like, yes. And it's awesome because you can really just cut down on your grocery bills and food waste because HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're never overbuying. If you wanna get started with America's number one meal kit, make sure to go to hellofresh.com casket10 and use code casket10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's a lot of tens. Again, if you want to get started, try some meals out, see what recipes you pick out. Let's talk about it. What did you pick? What did I pick? How did it go for you? All that stuff. Make sure to go to hellofresh.com casket10. Use code casket10 for 10 free meals. And again, thank you so much for sponsoring today's video, HelloFresh, and can't wait to see what comes up in the new boxes. Now back to the video. One Vox article that came out in 2016 said, Dr. Phil is not a medical doctor, but he is now a paid spokesperson for a diabetes drug. It reads, TV personality Phil McGraw, best known as Dr. Phil, will be making the media rounds soon, talking about his experiences living with type two diabetes for more than 25 years. But be aware, this isn't an objective and noble effort to raise awareness or destigmatize a condition that millions of Americans face. Instead, Dr. Phil has been hired by the drug maker AstraZeneca to be a paid spokesperson. And this presents all sorts of thorny conflict of interest problems. These campaigns create a blurriness between marketing and public health messages, says Dartmouth physician researcher, Stephen Woloshin. People tend to view them with less skepticism, particularly when there is a trusted celebrity spokesperson. The Dr. Phil case is an example of a common big pharma tactic known as disease awareness. The idea is that a spokesperson, often beloved celebrities like Kelsey Grammer or Paula Deen, help shed light on a particular disease. In turn, they build the base of patients who take a drug company's medications. AstraZeneca is sponsoring the Dr. Phil campaign. AstraZeneca makes a diabetes medication called Bidurion. Clearly, the drug maker doesn't have an interest in giving the public objective information about all the different treatments available for diabetes, the kind of information that can help people make evidence-based choices about the harms, benefits, and trade-offs of various therapies. A spokesperson told me that Dr. Phil was chosen for this campaign because he's been successfully using one of our medications, Bidurion, to manage his diabetes since 2012. Wulishin, who has been tracking the celebrity health phenomena with his colleague, Lisa Schwartz, explained that the FDA only approved Bidurian as a second line drug, meaning doctors should try other medications first. This drug also carries a black box warning, the FDA's strongest alert, about potentially increasing the risk of thyroid cancer. Here is a quote from the official information for prescribers. 
Bidurion is not recommended as a first-line therapy for patients who have inadequate glycemic control on diet and exercise because of uncertain relevance of the rat thyroid C-cell tumor findings to humans. Prescribe Bidurion only to patients for whom the potential benefits are considered to outweigh the potential risk. Dr. Phil's campaign may educate a few people about diabetes, that would be a win, and it's the main reason celebrities can be good vehicles for talking about health. But in a case like this, where the information coming out of the campaign is likely to be lopsided, the effort could do more harm than good, leaving the public with a skewed picture of the disease and potential treatment options. Sure, educating people on diabetes is great, but when it's not coming from a licensed professional, I don't know, not really. I think I make it pretty clear on my YouTube channel that I'm just a pyramid against pyramid schemes and I take an interest in a variety of shady topics. I'm not a medical professional, a teacher, a historian, I'm a YouTuber. That's obvious, at least I hope it is. If I have a personal experience with a brand or topic, I typically stick it in the video for anecdotal purposes. That's why I wouldn't do a fucking brand deal with medication. I'm not qualified to vouch for it. And neither is Dr. Phil. AstraZeneca found a workaround through this, according to Vox. Any particular questions about the drug will be answered by a medical doctor that accompanies Dr. Phil. You know, because Dr. Phil is the face that gets them the sales, but he can't even answer questions about the product because, you know, that's very cool. Now, the next controversy Dr. Phil found himself in because, you know, of course there's more, was also in 2008 when Dr. Phil posted bail for a Central Florida teenager. The teen had taken part in a videotaped beating of another teen and was one of eight teens facing charges. We have helped guests and potential guests in the past when they need financial assistance to come on the show, assisting with clothing allowance, lost wages, accommodations, travel, and necessities, Corleano wrote. In this case, certain staff members went beyond our guidelines in bail getting paid. These staff members have been spoken to and our policies reiterated. In addition, we have decided to not go forward with the story as our guidelines have been compromised. The show's producers were in the process of booking adults for the program about the case, Corleano wrote. The teens, whose ages range from 14 to 18, face kidnapping and misdemeanor battery charges. Three also face a felony charge of witness tampering. The state's attorney office says all will be tried as adults. I can understand paying for someone's plane ticket or someone's hotel in order for them to be on the program, but paying their bail? This just sends a message like, hey, if you commit a crime, so long as you're willing to talk about it on national TV, you'll get bailed out. This teenager was in jail because they committed a serious crime, but Dr. Phil bailed them out for rating's sake. Dr. Phil talked about bail reform on his show before as a serious controversial topic worth addressing, and that I've got no problem with. Some argue bail targets poorer households and it doesn't fall in line with the innocent until proven guilty when people can't afford to post bail. But whether or not Dr. Phil feels that way, bailing out this teen in such a violent case is just plain enabling. And this isn't the only time Dr. Phil's been accused of enabling his guests' poor behavior either. As one Mercury News article states, a joint investigation by the Boston Globe and the medical news site STAT has chronicled new and disturbing allegations of treatment of guests who came to McGraw for help with substance abuse struggles. The expose presents accounts from multiple guests on his syndicated show who say their addictions were enabled by members of McGraw's staff in hopes of boosting ratings. Todd Herzog, who struggled with alcohol abuse in the years after winning Survivor, said that when he arrived at the Dr. Phil Los Angeles studio in 2013, he found bottles of vodka in his dressing room and was given a Xanax to calm his nerves. 
Herzog had to be carried on set before his sit down with McGraw and registered a 0.263 blood alcohol content, more than three times the legal limit. But I thought Dr. Phil was against enabling. It comes across as real hypocritical to me to watch him accuse people of enabling alcoholism on his show while his team supposedly does the same thing behind the scenes. Now, Dr. Phil's show has stated these claims are unequivocally not true, but Todd Herzog is not the only one accusing the show of having done this. Stat News wrote in a separate article that guests have been left without medical help as they face withdrawal from drugs, a Stat Boston Globe investigation has found. And one person said she was directed by a show staff member to an open air drug market to find heroin for her detoxing niece. Guests confront a painful and potentially dangerous detox as they wait up to 48 hours in hotel rooms for their scheduled taping, leading some to look for illegal drugs. One guest brought heroin with the knowledge and support of show staff, according to a family member. Another guest who was pregnant was filmed by a show staffer while searching for a dealer on Skid Row in LA. It's a callous and inexcusable exploitation, said Dr. Jeff Sugar, assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at the University of Southern California. These people are barely hanging on. It's like if one of them was drowning and approaching a lifeboat, and instead of throwing them an inflatable donut, you throw them an anchor. Most people are aware that detox and rehab is a process. Dr. Phil of all people should know this too. So to film these vulnerable people in their worst moments, putting them through a potentially dangerous detox while they wait for taping, there's just got to be a better way to handle this. Whether or not you feel this is a great way to tell an addict's story, I think this needs to be done better for the patient's sake, at least by someone licensed for fuck's sake. Like, come on. Some of McGraw's own employees have raised alarms about the treatment of guests. In one lawsuit filed last year against McGraw and his production company in Los Angeles Superior Court, a former segment director, Leah Rotham, accused McGraw of false imprisonment for trapping employees in a room to threaten them over leaks to the media. Rothman also alleged that guests complained that their lives were ruined. One guest attempted suicide after the show, according to a deposition with another staff member. Of course, Dr. Phils just denied the allegations and called Rothman a disgruntled employee because everyone who has an issue with Dr. Phil, I guess is just a hater, disgruntled, whatever he wants to call it. He doesn't seem willing to hear out anybody. The Stat News article, if you want to read it, will be in my sources, but There's a lot of them for this video. So I'm pretty sure we're hitting like, you know, multiple pages. So I'm sorry if you struggle to find it. The article is called, Dr. Phil says he rescued people from addiction. Others say his show puts guests at risk. If you wanna check it out, I highly recommend it to see another peek behind the scenes. Now, the last two things we're going to cover actually have nothing to do with the Dr. Phil show, but with Dr. Phil himself and the statements he's personally made. Dr. Phil was discussing the college admissions scandal and said, they want to say my kid's going to USC or Yale. They don't want to be the parent that says, my kid's going to Slippery Rock. Meanwhile, Slippery Rock University president said, universities like Slippery Rock are key to social mobility in America and should be applauded for their efforts to narrow the gap between have and have nots. This comment was pretty tone deaf and kind of offensive. It's rude and uncalled for. If Dr. Phil wanted to say that these parents were buying status for their college students, that's all he needed to say. There was no need to add on to that. Now, Dr. Phil did issue an apology, which is a rarity from the guy, and that's all there really is to say about that. Now, the next one, however, is far worse and far more frustrating. Dr. Phil has been speaking about COVID-19 on the news, despite, again, not having a license to speak on this topic. Both he and Dr. Oz are giving advice to the masses when they're told they're not qualified to do so. 
Dr. Fauci, who has become the face of the pandemic and deals with it on the front lines, has even given advice that Dr. Phil directly contradicts. After Anthony S. Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert, explained the White House's new guidelines for states to slowly reopen their economies in a three-phase process, Fox News host Laura Ingram sought another opinion later in the show. She turned to Phil McGraw, better known as Dr. Phil, television psychologist to the masses. He acknowledged that the novel coronavirus is killing Americans, more than 33,000 as of early Friday, but also wondered why the economy would shut down over the pandemic, but continues to function as people die from lung cancer, car crashes, and pool drownings. Unlike coronavirus, none of the causes of death listed by Dr. Phil are contagious. We don't shut down the country for that, said Dr. Phil, after he cited inaccurate statistics on accidental deaths. Yet we are doing it for this and the fallout is going to last for years because people's lives are being destroyed. The conflicting views, one from the most qualified source available on the topic and the other from a talk show host with questionable credentials highlighted again how expert advice on the novel coronavirus has frequently been undermined by celebrity doctors with little to no infectious disease experience. Dr. Phil has no business talking about COVID-19 from a medical professional standpoint. Even if he did have a license to practice psychology, infectious diseases wouldn't be his specialty. Once again, this goes beyond irritating into potentially dangerous, a territory Dr. Phil has stepped into time and time again. If he were just spreading existing information from professionals, that's fine, but that's not what he's done. And it's not how he seems to come across to his guests, even with the word doctor on his name. I'm not even surprised to hear at this point, but of course, Dr. Phil would throw his two cents in on the topic because people trust him, love him, believe in him, and I doubt he gets called out too often. At least I don't see it happen much anyway. Hell, I'm not even saying we need to cancel him. Common sense is obviously something we need more of and it seems less and less common these days, but maybe we should like drop the doctor from his title or put a big easy to read disclaimer that announces he doesn't have a license to practice psychology on the screen. He's made the Dr. Phil Foundation, his wife Robin has founded when Georgia smiled to help protect domestic abuse survivors. They've both done a lot of good. The charities may not be perfect, but I'll admit that it's not all bad here. It's just that like so many other organizations we've seen, it's debatable which outweighs which. Is his past excusable because he's helped people? Personally, I don't feel like it is. Even if someone's a good person, doesn't mean that they're not accountable for their actions. So why hasn't Dr. Phil been held accountable for his? NAMI or the National Alliance on Mental Illness has even spoken out against him, specifically one instance where Dr. Phil called a nine-year-old on his show, a serial killer in the making. And the show aired a shot of this child and Jeffrey Dahmer, an infamous serial killer. CBS, the network that aired the special, may have put children's lives at risk because of Dr. Phil's bum advice, the group said in a letter fired off to CBS chief, Leslie Moonves. Not only did the show represent a breach of professional ethics, Namie said, it may constitute malpractice. Dr. Phil's conduct is serious enough to warrant investigation by a relevant board of licensure, the organization wrote. To the degree that he'd seemed to offer definitive diagnosis, including a pharmacological assessment without careful evaluation or referral, he may also be subject to legal sanctions for practicing medicine without a license. That was back in early 2004, so it's not as if anything came from it. Guests have continued to face issues with him to this day. One guest named Mahafa in 2019 is filing a lawsuit because when Dr. Phil supposedly helped her in 2017, it resulted in public humiliation. 
she had such a mental breakdown backstage that she was involuntarily committed to a mental health facility, and she's still dealing with the fallout to this day. Is some of Dr. Phil's advice good advice? Sure. Has he done some good things in the world? Sure. Do I ever intend to watch him and take him seriously? Hell no. So just to summarize, we have a doctor that was disciplined in his 30s for mistreating a 19-year-old patient. He was allegedly controlling his first wife. He's promoted supplements with no scientific data behind them, only an MLM. His show puts on guests with allegedly fake stories and he allegedly humiliates and enables his guests. I just, you know, I I don't know a lot of alleged here, you know, because I need to be careful, but this this just doesn't add up to me. He doesn't have a valid medical license to speak on these things, yet he speaks on it like he does. So I obviously have my own opinion and I don't think he's fit to do what he's doing. I think someone should really take a harsh look at what he's doing to people in their lives, but that's just me. With that being said, that's where we're going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you are following so that you never miss a new episode. I upload every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you'd like to connect with me outside of the podcast, make sure you click on my Linktree link so that it'll open up all of my social media and other projects that I'm associated with so we can connect outside of the podcast. Thank you all so much for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I love you and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.